I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, happy Easter. We get to say that for a full 50 days, the 50 days of Easter. And what I want to talk about today is what difference does Easter make? What difference does Easter make? You know, my kids get these picture puzzle magazines in the mail, and my favorite picture puzzle is when you have one picture on the left side of the page and one picture on the right side of the page, and you have to find 12 differences between the two pictures, right? Oh, this guy's holding an umbrella. This guy's not holding an umbrella. I love that. And our lives should be the same way. Easter should make a difference in our lives. Certainly made a difference for the disciples. We have this passage today where Jesus appears to the 11, and they were never the same after that. It bears remembering that church tradition teaches us that all 11 of those people in that room would one day die for their faith as martyrs. Something to keep in mind. The resurrection for them was not just an idea, it was a lived, breathing reality for which they gave their lives. But you too are in Christ Jesus if you have been baptized into his death and resurrection. That's how the Bible talks about following Jesus and Christianity, to be in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then Easter makes a difference for you. I want to talk about three ways this morning. The first one, Easter makes a difference of delight. Number two, Easter makes a difference of dominion. And number three, Easter makes a difference of direction. And see, I've made them all start with D, so it helps us remember them a little bit better. The first one, Easter makes a difference in delight. You know, buried in the first paragraph of this passage, it says, when the disciples saw him, they were glad. And you might think, well, of course, obviously, Jesus is alive, so they're happy, they're glad. But, you know, watch this. Before Jesus died, the disciples had not behaved so well. Maybe they were expecting a chastisement. Maybe they were expecting Jesus to really give it to them. Where were you? When I needed you most, their Lord might have said. You couldn't stay awake with me for an hour. You ran away from the cross in Jerusalem. Where were you? But instead, he says, peace be with you. And so it says, they were glad. They delighted in the risen Lord. That's a good Easter question for you. Do you delight in Jesus Christ? Do you delight in the risen Lord? Does Easter make that difference for you? Our culture has so many other things for us to delight in. Commercials on TV want us to delight in all sorts of other things, right? And is it difficult to be a Christian in Washington, D.C.? Is it difficult to be a Christian surrounded by wealth and power and influence? Well, it's not impossible. We know that. The Bible says that anybody can be a Christian. But it can be difficult to be a Christian surrounded by money because there are so many things to delight in that money can buy. We are called to delight in the Lord. That's what it says. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. What a great verse. I know for me, sometimes I tend to delight in myself. That's another sin that we can go down that road. To delight in myself, to delight in yourself. I'll tell you a personal story. Last summer, my wife Danielle and I were up at a very nice hotel in upstate New York, and I had dutifully read the website, which said that in the dining room, gentlemen were to wear jacket and tie. So I was very proud of myself that I remembered to pack my blazer, 
and my tie and even a pair of cufflinks. And on the first night that we were there, I made sure I got all dressed up, put my tie on, put my blazer on, went down to the hotel lobby, and I thought that I looked great. Because I did look great. <laughs> and then we sat down for dinner, and I realized pretty quickly that I was the only man there wearing a jacket and a tie. Everybody else was wearing polo shirts because apparently it was pasta night, and on pasta night, you don't have to wear a jacket and tie, you can wear a polo shirt, but nobody had told me that. So I look around, crestfallen, I remove my tie, and I say to my wife, Danielle, honey, I will never get over this. But you know, the Bible says that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. It says that in the book of Hebrews. And I think that, um, at least for me, this kind of thing happens to me from time to time. And it must mean that the Lord really loves me. Because whenever I get too high on myself, whenever I delight in myself, the Lord has a way of just kind of knocking me back down to where I need to be. And so he must really love me, or I'm just a total klutz, or a little bit of both. <clears throat> but we are not called to delight in ourselves, we're called to delight in the risen Lord. So that's the first one delight. The second difference that Easter makes is a difference of dominion. Well, what's all this about? Well, this is the difference between the dominion of sin and the dominion of grace. And the Bible says over and over again, in the New Testament, it says over and over again, if you are in Christ, then you have been moved from the dominion of sin into the dominion of grace and into the dominion of Christ. It's like changing your zip code, says the Bible. It means you have a new and different relationship with sin. And if you look at this passage, it's actually on the, uh, the second page, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And it's a very cryptic line. It's one of the, the things that Jesus says, which is hard to understand. What does it mean? Well, here's part of what it means. Jesus is saying to the disciples, you now have a new and different relationship with sin. And I want you to go out into the world and help other people find a new and different relationship with sin. And here it is. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, 14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. You are no longer in sin, you are in Christ. I don't know if some of you have ever watched shows with police officers and cops and that kind of, like Law and Order. I used to watch Law and Order, those kind of shows. And if you've watched these shows long enough, you know there's always a point where there's a question of jurisdiction. You've got the local cops, and then maybe the FBI shows up, and then the military police show up, and they're arguing over who has jurisdiction in this matter. And at one point, the local cop always says, excuse me, based on Statute 17, Section C, this is a local matter, and therefore the jurisdiction of this crime is under my authority, and I need you to clear this room because this is my case right now. How did, how did I do, for those of you who, who have watched these shows? Some of you are familiar with this milieu. Um, well, it's like that for us. We're able to say to the powers of sin, um, you have no jurisdiction here. Because I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. You don't have any power 
in my life. Sin no longer has to be the controlling power in your life. Oh, you will sin. You will fall into temptation. All of us do. We don't have to, but you will from time to time. But you're able to look at your sins, whether it's lust or gluttony or greed or anger, whatever yours is, whatever mine is, you can look it in the face and say, yeah, but I don't belong to you because I belong to him and my sins are bought and paid for. So that was the second one, dominion. Easter makes a difference in dominion. The third one is direction. If you look at the end of this passage, it's a great little line. It looks like kind of a throwaway line, but it's a great line in verse 31. It says, these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And you probably hear that and you think, wow, that's really nice. Jesus is giving me life in his name. And that's part of what it means. Jesus gives us eternal life in his name. But it also is a two-way street. It means that he gives you life in his name, and therefore you are to live your life in his name. You get that? Our call, those who have been saved by grace through faith, who are in Christ Jesus, who have been baptized into his death and resurrection, we are to craft our lives and orient ourselves toward a life in his name, in his service, for his kingdom. You get it? That's what it means to have life in his name. It's a two-way street. And so it means that our priorities will begin to take on the shape of God's priorities. We begin to make God our highest good. And all the other goods in our lives, job, money, family, all those things which are good, they are underneath, they are secondary goods, underneath the highest good, which is God. Has anybody ever heard of a saint called Damien of Molokoi? Sometimes they call him Father Damien. Yeah, let me tell you his story really quick. This is like the middle of the 1800s. He was born in Holland, the youngest of seven children raised in a Christian family and a Christian school, and his oldest brother was going to be a missionary. Well, it turned out that his older brother fell gravely ill, and so they chose Damien to be the missionary. His name was Joseph at that time. And he said, well, where am I going to serve as a foreign missionary? They said, Hawaii. He said, where's Hawaii? It's across the world. It's around the world, literally. Remember, this is the 1800s. So he gets on a ship, he goes to Hawaii, he gets there, he's ordained as a priest in the first year, and he begins looking around as to where he's going to serve. He said, what about that island over there? They said, oh, you don't want to go there. That's a leper colony. That's where all the people who have leprosy, that skin disease, are put so that they don't infect anyone else. And Father Damien, that was his name at this point, says, yeah, I want to go to that island. That's where I want to serve God. And he did. For 16 years, he built a church, he built a clinic, and he ministered to those people in mind, body, and spirit. Until, if you know the end of the story, he himself contracted leprosy and died there on that island. They said, we got to get you out of here. we got to take you to the hospital in Honolulu. He said, I'm not going anywhere. And he died on that island with his people. He was made a saint in uh, 2000. Nine, Father Damien. The Bible says, Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your plans to the Lord. 
What does that mean? It means that the priorities of the kingdom of God begin to be your priorities. Is there anybody here who's in like middle school or high school or college? Raise your hand. Middle school or high school or college? Or maybe there are people here who have a child or a grandchild in middle school or high school or college. Yes. Well, then you know that like everybody in college has a cause, right? And some of these causes are really important. Maybe some of them not so good, but everybody's got one. Well, for you, if you're in Christ, your cause is the kingdom of God. Your cause is to be useful to the Lord in fulfilling the priorities of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Mercy, living with integrity, caring for those who the world doesn't care about, that's your cause. And all other causes can be subsumed under that great cause. Tell you another personal story. When I was in my first year of being a priest down in Stewart, Florida, there was a man who came to the church one day and he needed help. So I took the discretionary account checkbook and got him some help. He needed work boots. So we went to Walmart and we got him a pair of work boots. And then what he really needed was a bus ticket so that he could go back up north where he was from. So we got him a bus ticket. And then he really needed a, a bag, so I took him to a thrift shop, and we found the perfect nylon duffel bag for $10. It was so cool. We were giving a high five on the way out. I said, okay, come here tomorrow morning, and I'll drive you up to the bus stop. And he did, and we did. It was up in Fort Pierce, which was kind of a haul, but we got up there and took a picture, gave him a hug, we said a prayer, and we got him on the bus. And that's the end of the story. If you're waiting for sort of a big climax, there's not one. But I have this thought experiment that someday I'll get to heaven and the Lord will have a whole book of everything that I've ever done. And he'll say, first of all, Matthew, you're not here because of anything that you've done. You're here because of what Jesus has done. His cross, his blood, his body, his tomb. Full stop. But you've done some interesting things in your life and it says here, that the most important of all of those was getting a man on a bus in Fort Pierce, Florida. I'll say, you know, I did get a PhD in Christian spirituality. And I said, eh, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That was number one. And you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. And so would you. Because if you stretch out the timeline to eternity, then every action becomes infused with infinite significance. So you take it. You know, or maybe, or, or maybe totally different. Maybe, maybe the Lord said, of all the things you've done, Father Matt, none of, them, none of them make the first page. Most important thing you've ever done is the way that you loved your wife and built a marriage that was a blessing to the kingdom of God. What's the point? The point is that what we do is in the service of his kingdom, and that is what gives us direction. And so Easter makes a difference of direction. Last thing, because we've talked about delight, dominion, and direction. Last thing is Thomas. We can't finish off without talking about Thomas, who was literally in Christ Jesus. I mean, he puts his hand into the side of our Lord. He got closer to Jesus than anybody else in all of history, except for Mary, except for Mary, who actually carried the body of Jesus in her body 
which is extraordinary just to say out loud. So Mary's number one, but Thomas is number two. He got that close to Jesus. And what did he say? My Lord and my God. You might say, well, that's great for Thomas. Well, what about us? Well, we too are in Christ Jesus in a spiritual way and in a physical way through the real water of baptism and the real body and bread and wine and blood of Jesus are in Christ Jesus in a physical way. And what does it mean? Here's what it means. When you don't know what you believe, or when you don't know what to do, or you don't know what to think, find a quiet place, you close your eyes, and you put your hand into the side of Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you make him the center of your life, and you say those words, my Lord and my God. Thanks be to God.